Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And uh, we, we looked two weeks ago, we were in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and also in Joshua chapter 5. And we had looked at the children of Israel and their journey from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land, and uh, the account of the 12 spies, 10 gave a bad report, an evil report, 2 gave a a good report, you know how all that turned out, right? Um, unfortunately, they believed the evil report, and as a consequence of that, wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Um, today, I'm going to talk about one of the greatest obstacles, if not the greatest, facing the church. It's not a new obstacle. Matter of fact, the reason we're going to be in numbers and, and we're going to continue to look at the children of Israel in this account uh, of their journey um, in the wilderness um, because they, they dealt with the very same thing. As a matter of fact, uh, the thing that we're going to talk about was one of the reasons that they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And we're going to talk about murmuring today. Murmuring, the church's greatest obstacle. So let's read, uh, let's read the first six chapters of Numbers 11. Now just to kind of set this up, if, if we read the end of Numbers chapter 10... We see that the children of Israel are leaving Sinai. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go before them three days to find a resting place for them. And so they're getting ready to leave, and the Ark has gone. Now, Numbers 11, verse 1. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place burning. That word tabera means burning, because the Lord, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Man, I bet they smelled good as they were sweating, making those bricks and building those buildings. But now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna. Before our eyes. Father God, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that you have preserved your eternal word for us today. Lord, we just ask that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes and open our ears, open and enlighten the eyes of our understanding that we would receive your word, receive your truth. That God, you would take it, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would work transformation in our hearts and in our minds, that we would be renewed in our minds and conformed to the Son of God. We thank you, and we ask that you would do this for your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, now, hold your place there. Now we're going to go over to Psalm 78, and Psalm 78 gives us a real good overview of what is happening with the children of Israel. And I'm going to read to you Psalm 78. I'm going to read verses 12 through 37. I know it's a lot, but, but read with me and listen to the word of the Lord as, as we see what's taking place here. Psalm 78, 12. 
marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in the abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him. That is almost unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, we say, God, if you would... How many of you have said this? If not out loud, you've said it in your heart. God, if you would just do this. God, if you would just show me this. God, if you would just reveal this to me. If I could just see you, God, do this miraculous thing or that miraculous thing, then, then Lord, I would... You complete the sentence. You know, that sounds really good. And I, and I believe we say that and we really mean that. But here... The scripture really reveals the human condition and the condition of fallen man in our fallen nature that we must fight against every day. Listen, you've been delivered. Remember, you were crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But we still have the capacity in our minds, in our unrenewed minds, to revert back to the mindset, the attitudes, the belief systems, and even the behavior of the fallen nature. Because it's in our mind, and this is why the Bible, this is why Paul the Apostle and all of his epistles over and over and over exhorts us to renew our minds. Praise for us that our eyes would be open, that our understanding would be open, that we would be able to comprehend what God has done for us. And so here are the children of Israel. It says, even though they witnessed all of these things, they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. Because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat and given them the bread of heaven. Listen to this, church. Men ate angels' food. And it wasn't bought at Walmart. We're talking about the real thing. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens. And by his power, he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire." Be careful what you ask for sometimes. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in His wondrous works. 
Therefore their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. When he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered that God was their rock and the Most High God their Redeemer. Verse 36, Nevertheless, they flattered Him with their mouth. I heard an interesting definition of flattery last night. Gossip is what you will not say to someone's face, but will say behind their back. Flattery is what you will say to their face, but you won't say behind their back. (laughs) Isn't that pretty good? They flattered Him with their mouth, And they lied to him with their tongue. Why? For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. This is the condition of God's people in the wilderness here. And in spite of all that God did to reveal and manifest his power and his greatness, it says they sinned all the more. They said things out of their mouth, they flattered God, but their hearts were not true. How do we know that? Well, we know that because their murmuring and their complaining was constant. Now, go back to Numbers, chapter 11. So... They got tired of eating manna. They got tired of eating the food of angels, the bread from heaven. Now, now think about that. Think about what that speaks of. Who is the bread from heaven? John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. They ate the bread of heaven in the wilderness, but I tell you, I am. That manna only spoke of me is what Jesus was saying. We say, well... You know, they got tired of eating the bread from heaven. But I would never grow tired of Christ. Really? See, we need to connect the dots here. Because what we learn, and and the reason God preserved his word is because the reality is, though this happened thousands of years ago, I'm going to tell you what, the same human condition that caused these people to continuously murmur and complain and rebel against God, if we're not careful... We have that same human condition. We have electricity, they don't. They rode camels, we drive cars. They wore sandals, we've got sketchers. Okay? But but besides that, what was going on in their hearts and minds is no different than what goes on in the hearts and minds of God's people today or people everywhere today. And this is what God wants us to learn. So verse 18, it says, then here's what Moses says. They're begging, can't you get us some meat? And God says, okay, I'll give you meat. This is what you want. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. (laughs) Listen the way God says this. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Because you have, this is real important, look at this sentence in the scripture here. Verse 20, because you have despised 
the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever come up out of Egypt? God says, because you have despised the Lord. Now, this is, this is what we want to talk about today. I know. Now, see, if you guys read, if, if you saw our Facebook page, I told you, if you were brave, come out this morning, right? Because I'm going to give you a challenging word. Because we need to be challenged, right? I think part of the problem is we're afraid in the church to challenge people. But I'm telling you what, we're living in a day and a time when people need to be challenged more than ever. I believe that. Let me give you some other verses. Numbers 14, 2. All the congregation murmured against Moses and Aaron. Numbers 14, 29. Here's what God told them. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, all which have murmured against the Lord. Numbers 16, 41. The next day, this is after the ground opened up and, and swallows Korah and all these guys that rebelled. The very next day after the earth opened up and, and swallowed all of these people, the next day, all the congregation complained. I mean, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I just witnessed the ground open up and swallow all these people, I don't think I'd be complaining against the Lord the very next day. I'd kind of be thinking, man, I don't want the ground to open up and swallow me. But yet, they did. Psalm 106.25, they did not believe his word. Here, here's really the, the heart of the matter. They didn't believe his word, but murmured in their tents. The complaining of the children of God has been a problem from the beginning. It continues to be the greatest obstacle facing God's children or facing the church. Why? Because it is rooted in unbelief. It's rooted in unbelief. This is what God was saying. They did not believe his word. They did not believe the Lord. Instead, they murmured and complained. The word murmur, which if you have a King James Bible, you'll see... This, this word murmur is what it's usually translated. If you have a newer translation, even a New King James or something, it's probably translated complained. So all of those places, Numbers 14.2, uh, those actually where it says complain in your translation, it's this word murmur. The word murmur is translated complain, but it, it means this, it means to stop, to be stuck, to be obstinate. It paints a word picture of one who refuses to move ahead. What, what, was the, what were the children of Israel doing? They're in the wilderness, and they're saying, God, why'd you bring us out here into the wilderness to die? We could be back in Egypt eating fish and onions and garlic and leek from the meat pots there. Yeah, they beat us every day. Yeah, they put us under hard labor, but at least we had meat to eat. To be stuck to be stopped, to refuse to move ahead, to refuse to obey and to progress. Murmuring and complaining displeases the Lord. Why? Because it is contrary to faith. When the, ten, when the 12 spies went into the land, they were there for 40 days, they came back. What happened? Ten of the spies murmured and complained. Well, you know, God took us out of Egypt, brought us to this place was supposed to give us a land flowing with milk and honey, but all we could see, there were giants. Oh, yeah, there were big grapes and nice fruit and all that, but there were giants. Why would God take us out of Egypt and send us to a land where there are giants? We can't do this. You hear their murmuring and their complaining? And out of their murmuring and complaining, do you hear faith there anywhere? There is no faith. 
Because this word, to murmur, what it means is, is exactly opposite. It's contrary to faith. You realize that the devil is a convenient scapegoat for us. But our worst enemy is ourself. You know that the devil is defeated. Some, some of you may know that. Some of you may not know that. He is defeated. The worst enemy is not the devil. So you need to quit paying so much attention to the devil and begin to examine what is the condition of your heart. Why is my mind dwelling on things it should not be dwelling on? Why do I seem to murmur and complain and have negativity and look at the bad all the time instead of seeing the opportunities? Why do I only see the giants, but I can't see the land flowing with milk and honey? Why do I only see the bad things about my wife or my husband or my children or my job or my employer? Why can't I see the good things? What are you focused on? What are you looking at? When you walk into this place, do you immediately pick up on all the things you don't like? Well, the lights are too bright. They're not bright enough. The music's too loud. Well, I don't like that drum. I don't like that electric guitar. You know, that preacher, he moves around too much. If he would just stand still. Well, I'm sorry, he can't help himself. See, and we can make light of it. But if we get in a habit, murmuring, complaining becomes a pattern with us. It really does have an impact in our life. If you don't believe that, read the history that God has preserved of his, of his people. Murmuring and complaining displeases God because it indicates an unbelieving heart. Bottom line. Numbers 14.20, I just read it to you. It's very telling of what murmuring and complaining indicates. God says, because you have despised the Lord who is among you. What does that mean? Because you have despised the Lord who is among you. It indicates an ungrateful heart. They were not grateful for what God had done. They cried for 400 years in bondage and God sends a deliverer and takes them out and now they're crying in the wilderness because God did what they wanted him to do. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, God cried and took them out of Egypt because they wanted to be taken out. Now they've changed their mind and they're wishy-washy here. But do you know why God really took them out of Egypt? Because it's what God wanted to do. Because it was his plan, it was his purpose. You know why they ate manna in the wilderness? Because God wanted them to eat manna in the wilderness. You know why they drank water from the rock? Because God wanted them to drink water from the rock. You know why they ate quail till it came out their nostrils and was loathsome to them? Because God wanted them to learn a lesson. But they weren't doing too swell learning that lesson. All of this murmuring, complaining indicated an ungrateful heart. Complaining and murmuring is a sign of our attitude toward God. Listen, listen to this. Whether you realize it or not, your murmuring and your complaining is a sign of, your, of an attitude toward God. And God says, this is the attitude. You have despised the Lord. Jesus said this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So wives, wives complaining about their husbands, husbands complaining about their wives, gossip disguised as prayer concerns, but it's really just murmuring and complaining. I put this on my post yesterday. How many of you read it? A tongue that one will not tame will eventually murmur and complain. James says it's the smallest part, like the rudder of a ship, but it's the hardest to tame. That is the tongue. What is in your heart that's coming out? You know, that's a question we need to ask ourselves sometimes, probably more times than we do. What is in our heart that is coming out? Parents, as you deal with your children, what's coming out of your mouth? Is it frustration? Is it anger? Now, I know I've got three kids, and my youngest is 19, so I've been through all of that, and I know it gets frustrating dealing with children, right? Sometimes we need to stop and ask ourselves, why Why am I so frustrated? Why is there so much frustration coming out from my mouth? You know why? Because it's in your heart. Or I might say, why is there so much anger coming out of me? Uh, Because there's some anger in your heart. Why am I so defensive? Why am I so offensive? Why do I have so much fear? Because it's in your heart. What's in your heart's going to come out. Murmuring and complaining reveal the heart. Remember what Psalm 78 said? God judged them. He struck them dead. And then they repented. And they flattered God with their lips. But it says because they had unbelieving hearts, they went right back to their murmuring and complaining. Because for a time, we can flatter with our lips, but what's in your heart is always, eventually, what's going to come out. So it's not enough just to try to change what's coming out of our mouth. What we need to do is ask God to do the work that only He can do, and that is to change our hearts, to transform our hearts and our minds. So when you murmur and complain about your situation, about your spouse, about your job, about your church, about other people, what is really happening is that you are revealing, listen to this, you're revealing your lack of trust in God who is Lord over all those people and over all those things. When Israel complain because all they had was food from heaven to eat? Do you think they were telling God anything? No, God sent that manna to them. God designed the human body. You guys know that, right? So God knows what we need, and he knows when we need it. I believe that God in his time would have given them not only everything they needed, but everything they desired. Because in time, he would have either changed their desires or something would have happened. This is why I say be careful what you ask for. Sometimes God will give you what you ask for, but you know it might not be for the reasons you think. He might give you what you're asking for because through giving you your desire, he's going to teach you something. Kind of like after after day 13, God, you know, I'm kind of getting tired of quail. Now think about this. It's not like going to the restaurant and the waiter brings you your quail on a plate with cherry sauce and nice garnishes all around. 
The Bible says they were fallen like the dust of the earth. How many of you guys have ever plucked a bird? How many of you have ever plucked more than one bird? Some of you guys that grew up on the farm and had to pluck chickens and turkeys, you dipped them in that hot water and, oh, that's such an aroma. You start pulling the feathers out of that thing. How would you like to have birds all around you, as far as you can see, in about two feet deep? That's, that's what they had. God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat. I'll give you meat. Not one day, not two days, not five days, not seven days, but for a whole month. It's going to be coming out your ears. Actually, he said nostrils. God said that. You're going to have so much quail, it's going to come out your noses, and you're going to hate it. It's your desire. It's what you wanted. It's a pretty graphic portrayal here. Not only that, it says, but while the meat was still between their teeth, God struck them with the plague, and they began to drop like flies. Now, praise God, God's not doing that to us today, Right? But here's the thing. Just because we don't see people dying of the plague and God burning them with fire like we read in the Old Testament, do you know people are just as lost today as they were back then? doesn't matter whether they go through this life and they gain the whole world. If they lose their soul, they gain nothing. They've lost everything. We get so caught up with external things. What we really need to be concerned about, first and foremost, are the things of the heart. What's in our heart? What's in your heart? Because what's in your heart is going to come out. It's going to reveal whether you trust God or whether you don't trust God. Israel could flatter God all day long with their lips, but the reality was their life revealed, their actions revealed over time that they did not have a heart of faith. Joshua and Caleb did, but a whole generation dropped dead in the wilderness. God says, I'll leave your carcasses scattered in the wilderness, and I'll raise up another generation to bring them into my promise. And that's what he did. And their heart of unbelief was revealed by what came out of their mouth. Now, I'm not into positive confession. I'm a realist. We shouldn't live in denial. If you're sick, it's okay to say, hey, I'm sick. Pray for me. That's okay. You know, it's not, well, I can't say the word sick because then the devil will hear it and he'll inflict me with it. But I thought you, I, I thought you just said you were sick. So you're already inflicted with it. So just say it. Because God's bigger than the devil, okay? But don't sit there and waller in your sickness. Don't sit there and use your sickness or use whatever's going on in your life as a reason to murmur and complain and, and, and don't do that. That's not faith, that's unbelief. So we need to deal with reality, right? Denial, denial is more than a river in Egypt. <laughs> there are people living in denial and we need to get them out of denial. The children of Israel were back and forth, back and forth. And it was their murmuring and their complaining that revealed that. So listen, a person that murmurs is a person who is stuck. They are stopped and unable to move forward. 
Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The church was birthed not to be stopped, but to prevail over those things that would try to keep it from progressing. Israel wandered in rebellion, stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, because in their hearts they murmured against God. This was manifest as they murmured against their leaders and their circumstances that God put them under. God knew everything that was going on in their lives. They murmured and complained as if God didn't know. Sometimes we go through life and we murmur and complain and we forget, you know, God knows. So I can either trust the God who knows everything and look to Him as my deliverer and my deliverance. And that's what we're called to do as people of faith. They murmured and they complained because they did not trust God in their unfaithful hearts. So I want you to think about, I want you to think about these things. Have you ever thought about your murmurs and your complaints in this way? Wives, this is going to be an equal opportunity toe-stepping on, okay? Wives, when you complain against your husband, you are complaining about your God-ordained head. In reality, you are murmuring and rebellious against God who placed you under your husband. You are commanded to pray in faith, not complain in unbelief. Husbands, when you complain against your wife, you are complaining contrary to the unity God has ordained in marriage by making you one with your wife and head over her to nourish and cherish her as Christ does the church. This is what the Scripture commands us to do, men. Husbands, when you despise her, you are despising God. Whether you realize it or not, you are. Children, children, we're all, how many are children in here? Well, we were all children in one, right? We, we're all children in a sense. I don't care how old or how young you are. But children, listen, young and old, when you complain against your parents, you are displeased with God, for He gave you those parents. And this is why children are commanded to obey their parents in the Lord. Disobedience has consequences, but so does faithful obedience. Parents, this is what you need to teach your children. Don't teach them, I'm going to tan your hide if you don't obey me. Teach them that there are great consequences, positive consequences to obedience. Raise them to be obedient. Be obedient, not because they fear you. Teach them how to properly fear God and, and desire obedience. Brethren, when you complain against your pastor or spiritual leaders, I know y'all never complain about me, so this is just in general, right? You complain against God who set them in authority over you. They are commanded to rule over you as servants submitted to the God of Scripture not to the carnal understanding of men. There, there are a lot of pastors under pressure. And it's the carnal understanding of men putting pastors under pressure to do certain things. Well, you know, pastor, this ain't working too good here. We need to do this and we need to do that. And I saw this church over here and they were doing that. And so I think we... Whoa! Anybody praying? Anybody hearing from God? Anybody looking at the Scripture? Are we doing what... What the world does, or are we going to do what the Scripture commands us to do? 
See, I'm not here to do what the world does. I am commanded by God to lead you according to the Scripture. Christian, when you complain against your church, you are murmuring against your own body. So we don't think about that. But there's a reason why the Bible says you are the body of Christ. Christ fellowship is a body of people. Every church meeting this Sunday morning in this community and all over the world is a body of people. Corporately, but locally also. And when we murmur against the church, we murmur against our own body, tearing it down instead of building it up. It's like self-mutilization. Y'all ever seen anyone who habitually self-mutilates themselves? Y'all remember Frances Jones? I still talk to Frances. She calls all the time. Frances used to have scars up and down her arms. All of her scars are gone. But she spent years mutilating herself. When the church murmurs and complains against itself, it's like a person self-mutilating themselves. It's not healthy. We're tearing down instead of building up. You are murmuring against Christ's body. Instead of joining the complainers, take a stand for Christ, take a stand for His body, take a stand for unity. Some of us just need to get bold. Some of you have people that call you regularly and they hold you on the phone murmuring and complaining and you're too nice to tell them the truth. Well, I'm going to give you permission right now to tell them the truth. You speak the truth to them in love. Say, you know what, if if you don't have anything good to say, don't call me anymore. Really, I love you. I'll pray for you. Call me with something good. Some of you need to do that. Some of you sit there and just let that junk go right into your ear, and it fills you. And you know what? It affects you. You can't listen to that stuff and not be affected. So Pastor Jeff is giving you permission to speak boldly. You, you know, just speak boldly. You might deliver somebody from bondage they've been in for years. And they need to be delivered. People ask me all the time. You know, I had lunch with, I have lunch with pastors. I meet people. And, you know, they know I'm a pastor. The very first question out of their mouth almost always is, how's the church doing? And you know what? I'm not lying. It's not that I don't have things I could complain about. I said, you know what? The church is doing great. We have our challenges. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year financially, but it has been for everybody. But you know what? I am thankful for the stewardship that God has blessed me to be able to have as pastor of Christ Fellowship Church. Sometimes I meet with pastors and they sit there and and they just rail on their congregations. And I feel sorry for them. I'm like, Dude, if you are that miserable, you just need to like, maybe have you thought about doing something different? You know, the scripture says to the flock, there's a certain way you should treat your elders, your leaders, so that you don't make their job a burden. Make it a joy. There there is a responsibility on both ends. I need to lead in such a way that I'm helping you grow and be built up, but you need to be led in such a way, you need to receive that leadership in such a way where you make my 
position a joy and not a burden. And man, I meet too many pastors whose positions are not joyful. It's very burdensome. And maybe it's because, maybe because they don't get up and talk about things like this that we're talking about today. See, this isn't just, this isn't just about the church. See, you're going to get up tomorrow morning, you're going to go to work. And you're going to experience the same thing at work. How are you dealing with your employer? Or how are you dealing with your employee? How are you dealing with your coworker? I mean, when, when you get in your little clique at work, and do you sit there and murmur and complain about all those other people, you know, that just got on your last nerve and you're ready to kill them? And if, if, if people didn't know better, if they were flies on the wall listening, they'd think, man, this person doesn't even appreciate the job they have. They don't even appreciate anything they have, which might not be true, or it may be, I don't know. But you see, what, what, what's being heard, what's being said, communicates something. Do we want to be people that, that when the world sees us and the world hears us, when the body of Christ sees us and the body of Christ hears us, what do they want to think? Do they want to think that we're just not thankful, that we're just murmurs and complainers and there's nothing good? I don't think so. That's not a good witness to the world or to anybody else. Think about that when you get up and go to work tomorrow. As you're driving to work and you have the the opportunity to experience road rage, just be thankful you got a car. Be thankful there's a road for you to drive on. You know, you could be driving a camel. How'd you like to do that? Well, you wouldn't, I promise you. They'll spit on you if you're not careful. Are you thankful for what God has blessed you with and given to you? Whether it be your family, your husband, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your church, are you thankful? Can you see what there is to be thankful for? Or can you only see the problem? Are you thankful for the life God's blessed you to have, even with its challenges? I want you to think about this. Are you thankful for the family God has blessed you with, even with their shortcomings? These husbands come in talk to me sometimes, you know. None of you, none of you husbands. Really, you know, most of the... Most of the Counseling, I don't consider myself a counseling. You know, most of the counseling I do are people that, that, that don't even live in Taylor. <laughs> I guess, you know, they go other places. They don't want to go to their own pastors. Maybe that's what you guys do. I don't know. <laughs> that's why I don't see a lot of you sometimes. <laughs> but I, I shoot pretty straight with them, you know. And, and before it's all over with, the guys hate. It's like, man, why did I come to this guy, you know? I mean, we can all sit there and complain about things, Right? Well, you know, when I married my wife, she didn't used to do this. I'm like, well, bro, what is it that you do now that you used to not do? I don't tell my wife that anymore. Because when I tell her that, she'd tell me, yeah, well, you used to do this, this, this. You don't do that anymore. I'm like, okay, point taken. We'll just leave that one alone right there. Because it's the truth. So are we thankful for the family God's blessed us with, even though... There are shortcomings. Are you thankful for the leaders God's given you, even though you may disagree? You don't have to agree with me. You might disagree with this message today. I don't know. You come to me for counseling, I might tell you something. You might disagree with me, but I'll tell you this. You may disagree, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It may hurt you. 
It may be unpleasant, but it's not meant to harm you. Because the truth doesn't harm us, though it may be painful. It's, it's to set us free. It's to help us. Are you thankful for the church God's made you a part of, even though it has problems? Because they all do. And if you can find one that doesn't, and you walk in the door, it just got a problem. Because we all bring problems with us. I got problems. I know y'all don't believe that. But I'm just going to be honest. I really do. I've got problems, okay? We all have issues. Do you trust that God knows what he, listen, do you trust that God knows what he is doing even though you don't and he won't tell? God, if you just tell me what you're doing. Silence. God, really, God, I've got to know what you're doing. Silence. Well, I just don't trust God anymore. Why? Because God won't tell you what he's doing. You have to, does God have to tell you everything before you'll trust him? He didn't tell the children of Israel. And this was the problem. God says, I'm not obligated to tell you anything. Though I have revealed much to you, I'm not obligated to tell you anything. But do you trust me? Do you trust God? Even when you don't know what he is doing. Can you resist the temptation to murmur and complain and protect the body's unity? Can you pray with thanksgiving instead of despising with murmuring and complaining? Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, Philippians says. Listen, don't confuse asking questions or seeking counsel. It's like, well, now, Pastor Jeff, I'm not ever going to come to you and ask you, you know, a question because you might think I'm murmuring and complaining. No, that's not it. We're commanded to seek wisdom and counsel. I love it when people ask questions. I had someone call me this week, and they had a theological question that was just out of the blue. And it's someone that can't even come to church on Sunday. We had a great conversation. I said, you know, I thanked them. I said, I am so glad you called and asked that question. You know, a lot of people just wouldn't. They'd just sit there and wonder and let it eat them up or, you know, whatever. It's good. Don't confuse those things with murmuring and complaining. We're commanded to seek wisdom. We're commanded to speak the truth in love. But we're not to murmur and complain and tear down in the process. So here's what I want to challenge you with. In this new year, 2012, I want it to be a year that we continue to move forward. And I want to encourage you, do not walk by sight. Walk by faith. We're not called to walk by sight. People tell me things, and, and, and I, hear, I hear what's really in their heart. And what they're really saying is, Pastor, I'm seeing all these things, and it's scaring me. I'm seeing all these things, and it's concerning me. I'm seeing all these things. I'm like, hey, the Bible says don't walk by sight. It says to walk by faith. Progress is not always defined by, why, by what you're able to see. You, you understand that. We are very honored to have our new chief of police here with us, Dan Ramsey and his wife, Tammy. And in my, my privilege to be associated loosely with the city in various things, you know, we've dealt with the city and our building plans and everything. And, and I remember when Frank Salvato, the former city manager, was here, I rode around one day with Frank. And man, we pray for these guys because they catch so much hell. It's in the Bible. I can say that word, okay? 
And one of the reasons is this. Because people say, well, you know, they just won't fix the streets here. I don't see any progress here. I remember I was riding with Frank one day. And Frank said, you know, we have spent millions upon millions of dollars. And it's all underground. And people can't see it. And they don't think we've made any progress because everything we've poured our money into has been underground and they can't see it. And so they think no progress has been made. See, that's the way spiritual things are. Probably more times than not. You're looking at your life and you're saying, God, I just don't see any progress. God, I don't see an answer. God, I don't see you doing anything. When in reality, the whole time, God is working. You just can't see it. Because we're so driven by what we see instead of driven by faith. We're judging based on what we're able to see instead of trusting by faith what God has declared in his word. Is there ever a time God is not working in his people? The answer to that question is no. He is always working by his spirit. Is there ever a time the spirit is not praying and interceding on your behalf? Absolutely not. God never sleeps nor slumber. His spirit is in you and it intercedes and prays on your behalf, the will of God, all the time. Just because you don't see things the way you want to see them. See, this is the children of Israel. Can God prepare? I don't see any meat. God, you gave us water, but I want some meat. You gave us bread from heaven, but I want some meat. Don't walk by sight, walk by faith, because progress isn't always what we're able to see. Sometimes there is decrease before you see increase. But murmuring and complaining will always present a roadblock to progress. Let us purpose not to be people stuck wandering in a wilderness. Let us purpose to be people of faith as we move forward into the things that God has already prepared for us. He has. So in 2012 and beyond, I don't want you to do these things for this year and then say, well, I just only have to know. I want you to purpose to be these things. I want you to be believing. Don't have an unbelieving heart. Be believing in all things. The Bible says love believes all things. And God is love. And you have a reason to be believing. Be thankful. Don't have an ungrateful heart. Be thankful in all things. Whether you can see a reason to be thankful or not, be thankful in the midst of your circumstance, good, bad, or ugly. Be faithful. Do not have an unfaithful heart. Be faithful in all things. Why? Because God honors faithfulness. Be faithful on your job. Be faithful with your family. Be faithful with your friends. Be faithful in the church. Be faithful because God is faithful. He is the epitome of faithfulness. And and we're not to be faithful just when we're in a building having church. We are the church wherever we go, 24-7. Now for all eternity, if you are a believer in Christ, So be faithful wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Be faithful. Be obedient. Don't have a rebellious heart. Be obedient to God in all things. Be prayerful. Don't murmur and complain, but be prayerful in all things. Let us purpose to trust God in and through all of our challenges. You know, we face challenges, right? But God has allowed those challenges. He knows them very well. He's directed us to those challenges and through those challenges. Let's be faithful people. 
as we go through our challenges, as we journey together in His promise. God's called us to to face those challenges, to go through those challenges together in this journey of faith. Amen? Let us purpose to protect unity, to build up one another as we do His will, not by avoiding the challenges that face us, but by embracing one another in the love of Christ and believing that with God all things are possible. Do you believe that, church? The scripture declares that with God, all things are possible. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance is, never lose hope. Never stop believing that with God, all things are possible. He may not do it when or how or exactly the way you want, but I'm going to tell you what, God knows how to cause you to overcome the challenges you're facing in life. Trust Him. Whether you know what He's doing or not, trust Him. Amen? Let's all stand. Remember, trust is revealed in the way we live our lives and what comes out of our hearts. So let faith come out of your heart. Let faith be what others hear. Let faith be what others see. Father, we're so thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your word, God. Lord, even the things that Israel went through, God, you recorded them for us. You allowed them even to go through that because you knew it would be a witness and a testimony even for us, your people today. The same God that led them through, that caused them to overcome, is the same God that will lead us through and has caused us to already overcome in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to be people of faith. Lord, you would... You would give us ears to hear and sensitivity in our hearts and minds to the Spirit of God in us. Lord, when we begin to let those things come out of us that are contrary to faith, Lord, check us and help us. Help us, Lord, to renew our minds and transform us, God, by the power of your Spirit to be conformed to the glorious Son of God, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. This is your purpose. This is our destiny in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you have promised to do this, to fulfill it to the uttermost. To you be glory, Lord, in the church. And all God's people said, amen. Praise God. God bless you. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Praise God. Have faith, church. It's a great year. I'm excited about 2012. We have great things ahead of us. Look for them, look to them. If you're here and you want prayer, maybe you've got sickness or something going on in your life and you want us to agree with you in prayer, the elders will pray with you, agree with you, and we want to be able to do that. God bless you. Have a great day.